0: Radio Drome. Welcome to another Wasted Thursday night. This is Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. We will continue defending some of the movies that really need defense, with one small caveat. Cecil will not be joining us this week. He had something to do with his son. So I'll read in his into the record later on. But for now, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. Defending movies that we feel are unfairly maligned. But before that, to get pumped for that, Peter, do you remember what you do at AdamandEve.com? Do at AdamandEve.com? Isn't there like a new
1: ad for it? <sighs> I don't You're know useless. if I know the new ad yet. You're useless.
0: All right, you go to AdamandEve.com. I could try. I could,
1: I could, I could give it a shot.
0: No no, 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 Pay attention. You go to AdamandEve.com, use their promo code DROME, and you get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free clit bumper and free u.s shipping just use the promo code drome at adamandeve.com that said peter defend your next pick
1: Uh, i'm going with the fifth entry in the friday the 13th series friday the 13th a new beginning this is one that i've always felt to be pretty underrated by the fan base of those movies I never really understood why. I've always really liked it ever since I, I, I first saw those movies when I was about 13 or 14 and five always really stood out to me, both in its characters and the way that it's directed. I, I really like uh, what Danny Steinman did with it. Five has a very neon lit exploitation-y look to it. It has, um, has, has more of a higher tinge of sleaze than any of the other ones do, but it also has a higher level of character development in certain ways. Like the way, um, John Shepard plays the character of Tommy Jarvis, who is completely Shell shocked after the incident of Friday the 13th part 4 when he was a child and actually managed to kill Jason Voorhees. This of course left him completely screwed up, uh, you know, of course losing his mother as well. And John Shepard plays this amazingly. Reserved clearly very shell-shocked definitely you know suffering from a, a post-traumatic stress disorder and he gets sent to basically like like an institution for for people that are that are suffering from that to like a, a little mini asylum retreat out in the woods that's near that's near Cl- uh, crystal lake and i love that movie and i've always really enjoyed it and i don't care that jason isn't in it much like how halloween three doesn't have michael myers who cares it's a great movie and i know it's a different context with part five i know it's like an imposter but i think think roy deserves his day in the sun and i've always really enjoyed friday the 13th part five it's probably my third favorite entry in the series next to parts three and six it might be a lot better than you remember it uh well it came directly after part four <laughs> <laughs> <I'm
0: being laughs> is that the best again? you got uh, uh
2: that's a bet no actually uh here's the thing when i saw uh, part five i liked it and to this day, I never really got the hate. I'll agree with a few of the points people make about it. You can see who the killer is from a mile away. There's yeah. no doubt on that one. But then again, I kind of knew who did it in the Jason movies, It's <laughs> just as a, as a thought. So I don't think that these movies were ever really whodunits, and people keep saying, like, oh, we know who did it. Uh, okay, except for the first one. <laughs> it wasn't much of a who done it because we didn't meet her till the end of the movie. Yeah, it's it's a small complaint. Uh, I rather like it. I think the movie actually has a halfway decent look to it. Uh, I think the acting is a bit higher in this film than some of the other ones. Uh, uh, my favorite has been part two and part six. Those are my my personal two favorites. But you know what? I I think I would put uh, part five as my uh, third
0: favorite in that series. I think it's actually a good anchor point for the Tommy Jarvis trilogy, which would be 4, 5, and 6. Yeah, the Tommy Jarvis character isn't very consistent from, f- from 5 to 6, I'll give you that. And I actually prefer Tom Matthews' version of Tommy Jarvis than John Shepherd's, but that, that's a minor nitpick. It's actually a pretty good slasher movie. Like Peter said, it's got good atmosphere, it's got some pretty good kills, although it was one of the most Intel part seven came out it was the most heavily censored of all the friday the 13th movies up to that point so some of it is yeah. kind of choppy because there was a lot of stuff cut out of this one this was the first one that starts with the ah to hell with it timeline where it jumps like six years yet it's still taking place in 1985 and <laughs> yet it jumps five years later from the last movie which was in 1984 So, wait, what?
1: In a way, I can kind of explain that, sort of. Because if you think about it, parts... Two through four are all taking place in the span of a few days, and each movie came out, you know, one year after the other. So I think they kind of had to make up for that by making the series jump, like, whatever, how many years it was, five or six or however old. I think Tommy Jarvis is supposed to be, like, 18 in part five, something like that. But then
0: but then in part six, it jumps seven more years into the future, and then part seven jumps five more years from the I mean, seriously, by the time we get to the release year, 1990, we're in, like, 2016. We should be, anyway. <laughs>
2: yeah. I, I would like to add one thing I just thought of. Uh, one thing that I always thought Part 5 really did better was that it has a very similar uh structure as uh Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, my gosh, I lost the number six. Freddy's Dead, where you're dealing with the disturbed teens. Uh yeah. Kind of a youth home And I always thought that was terrible. <laughs> Like, I didn't <laughs> like any of the kids and I thought that the structure was really bad. Whereas in this one, it's actually pretty good and you really, yeah. really feel for the kids. Oh, they're well. all
1: quite, uh, I, I feel like they're all really likable in their own way and, and written quite well and performed quite well. Like not even just John Shepard. Every other character has uh, a unique quality to them like you've got like the the weird synth wavy goth chick you've got i uh... had such a
0: thing for her by the way
1: (laughs) you kind of got the dorky guy you got sort of the the jockey dude and his girlfriend You, you know you got the the weird backwoods redneck neighbors that they have that they have to deal with, you know, (laughs) you big dildo, eat your f***ing slop, you know, all these like weird characters and whatnot, the sheriff. I I feel like part five had some of the most colorful characters and some of the most well-written characters. Like for a slasher movie in that series, it's, it feels the most or at least one of the ones that feel the most like a genuine movie and not just a slasher movie because a lot of these characters, you don't actually want to see them die. You actually want to see them live to the end, and you actually feel kind of kind of bummed when you when you see them get get picked off. And I think uh, the movie really succeeds in that regard.
0: Okay, then Fred, what would be your next defend movie? Well, I think that
2: if you're, we have our own list here, and I think I'll follow up that one with the only film I possibly could follow it up with, and that is Attack of the Killer Tomatoes,
0: 1970. Hey, hey man, I'm sensitive about this movie. A tomato once ate my sister. <laughs>
2: This, if you haven't seen this movie, there's no way to explain it, no way to describe it. It must be seen. The closest would be it was Airplane Before Airplane. It's a great film. It is uh, also prestigious as it's one of the films that actually began to inspire what we now call the Razzies because there was the, uh, the books of, oh, I know, I forgot the, the Golden Critics Turkey name. Award. It was the Golden Turkey Award, but who wrote them? Uh, is who I'm trying to remember. The Medved Brothers. Medved. That's it. Michael Medved. It was the winner of the Golden Turkey Award among many other of worst films. And it's like, if you see this film, I don't know how, if you like comedies, I don't know how anybody could call this the worst movie. I I just don't. Because it's genuinely funny. it's, It's genuinely funny. There are absolutely wonderful jokes throughout this there's even these background gags because the president is really stupid in this and there's a, a news announcer that has a line he goes and today the president closed the nation's last remaining submarine based at Groton, connecticut when asked why he made the startling decision the president responded those funny little black ships just keep sinking anyway <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's just all these throwaway little gags and it's it's just so bizarre, very uh very subversive actually in a lot of in a lot of ways. There's just some great lines, there's some very irreverent hu- humor uh Dr. Oh, I don't know if I can pronounce it. I got it written down. I don't know if I can even pronounce it. Nakatifa, uh, J- he's a Japanese scientist and at one point he uh stands up and he knocks the oh no, what's the ship?
0: The USS uh, Arizona.
2: That's it, the Arizona. Into a fish tank. It's a picture of the USS Arizona into a fish tank, which, of course, was the ship sunk at Pearl Harbor.
0: It was, yeah, the, the ja- very first one, and he's Japanese. <laughs> also, he is intentionally dubbed very poorly, yes. only his character. Uh, again, it's not much to say about it. It's a funny,
2: funny movie. Uh We could quote the jokes. Maybe they're falling flat as we're telling them to people right now, but if you see it in the context of the movie, trust me, you'll laugh. You'll have a great It
0: all. The movie also has some jokes that are very of the 70s jokes for instance when when one of the generals is talking to the the japanese scientists i'm not going to be scared of these vegetables and he goes actually sir tomatoes are fags and another guy goes uh, i think he means fruits that joke would never <laughs> fly today never i love attack of a killer tomatoes i think it's a fantastic movie i loved the cartoon i loved the first sequel. Even the video game wasn't that bad. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes is a highly underrated movie. And you know what? People discount it because of its title. What you gotta realize is that's the point.
1: As uh, as Fred said, like, there's not really much really say about it other than that it is a it's a genuinely fun movie and if you haven't seen it in a while check it out if you haven't seen it yet or are dismissing it because of its title it's meant to be satirical it's meant to be funny it's meant to jab at like uh, creature features and monster movies and stuff uh, it's a, really a lot of fun
0: well then my next movie will be burn hollywood burn an alan smithy film the film everyone hated including the film's director film written by joe Astrahouse who i don't normally like whoopi goldberg sylvester stallone and jackie chan make a huge budget movie in hollywood called trio where they're all action stars and it's directed by a guy whose name real name is alan smithy and it's the worst film ever made so he steals the only print available and tries to get it away from the studio and the whole thing is shot in retrospect as a documentary trying to get the film back and it's a brutal brutal satire of hollywood and heartless producers for some reason everybody hated this movie so many of the jokes are so brutal and scarring i think they hated it because it hit a little too close to home
2: i hated it um i didn't laugh and i have zero memories of it now
1: wait so sylvester stallone jackie chan and Whoopi goldberg made a hollywood satire movie and i haven't seen it (laughs) i i know what i'm doing tonight
0: it also has Coolio and Dr. Dre as renegade film directors named the Brothers Brothers. has Ryan O'Neill and Richard Jenny as two of the executives. Jackie Chan, Stallone, and all of them appear as themselves. Billy Bob Thornton and Shane Black appear as themselves. Joe Esterhaus appears as himself, talking about how the movie within the movie trio is even worse than Showgirls is. It's a... Br- <laughs> (laughs) It's a brutally funny movie that has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Every film critic in the world hated this movie. Jackie Chan says he was embarrassed to have been in it. He's actually quite funny in this, too. I don't know why everyone hates this movie. It's legitimately funny. It actually does sound
1: a bit like um, Entourage may have borrowed a lot from it, though, because that's kind of like satire on Hollywood and sort of has movies getting made within the show and stuff. So I I think Entourage may have some to... Oh, to burn Hollywood, burn because the context does sound pretty similar.
0: I didn't like Entourage, but once you see Burn Hollywood, burn, let me know if you see some similarities because yeah, there probably is some.
1: Because it sounds, uh it sounds kind of like I don't. I'm not really a big fan either, but that's that sounds like they may have uh borrowed some from that because the concept sounds very similar.
0: I still do want to see James Cameron's Aquaman movie, by the way.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it'll probably tank. Ha. Are you saying it would sink? At the box office, like, like the f*ing Titanic. It, it was sink into the abyss. <laughs>
2: oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> the critics would be like, "It's terminated."
1: <laughs>
0: it would be out there with all of the aliens. Man, and there's a
1: there's a tr- there's a true lies pun in there somewhere, but I'm tired.
0: Well, I I, I mean, you wouldn't even know what avatar he would use. <laughs> okay, okay, enough with the James Cameron. Shit. And I'm going to read the next one on Cecil's list was Terminator Genisys which I can't defend for the guy. I'm sorry. That movie's a piece of shit. That movie is trying so hard to fix the mistakes of 3 and 4 that it's shit on its own and still making 3 and 4 shit. So I say Terminator Genisys is a piece of crap. I know Peter liked it, though.
1: I enjoyed it. So I guess for, for Cecil's sake, since he's not here, I will defend it as well. I thought it was all right. I feel like it was... A lot better than Salvation and a, I mean, I, I didn't hate Terminator 3, but I feel like it was better. I feel like it was more of a, a truer, not that Terminator 2 needed a sequel, but if you wanted a truer sequel to it, I guess, uh, Jen Weissis would have been the one to go to. My one gripe with the movie with, uh, was, uh, that, Fucking plank of wood, Jai Courtney, who is just awful. I really wish he would stop being in movies, but I guess we're gonna have to him for the foreseeable future because Hollywood seems to like the guy. Is it sad that Jai Courtney
0: is a poor man? Sam Worthington. Christ. Sam Worthington is a poor man. Sam Worthington. Agreed. Both of those guys. I don't like it quite as much as Peter and Cecil
2: do, but I don't hate it by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think it qualifies as the worst anything movie category. Uh, I thought. Schwarzenegger alone was worth the price of admission in this movie uh okay. anytime it focused on him i thought it was a lot of fun i was having a good time every time it went away from him is when i think the movie faltered and or anytime uh, Jai courtney you'll... had a line of dialogue well Jork, Jai courtney oh, was God. terrible there, nobody's going to dispute that
0: okay peter then i dare you to defend batman versus superman yawn of justice
1: Oh, that's easy. It kicked ass. It was a really good movie. It was, by far, to me, movie not only of this year, but one of the best superhero movies ever made. And you can quote me on that. Anybody that's listening to this that doesn't agree with that, you can quote the Cinemasochist as saying, Batman vs. Superman, best superhero movie in probably the last, uh since Dread, I would say. And Dread was one of my like top picks for best superhero movies or comic book movies in general for the longest time i really enjoyed this movie uh i i went in uh to see it in theaters with very high expectations and i i felt those expectations lived up um they lived up past it i thought the the cinematography was gorgeous the performances were awesome uh henry cavill and i enjoyed him in man of steel but he really stepped his game up in this one ben affleck just exceeded all expectations as a is Batman and Bruce Wayne, uh, his, his fight scenes, his, his brooding nature as, as Bruce Wayne, the way he looks in that suit is just awesome. Gail Godot or Godot, how the hell do you pronounce her name? Is it Godot? She's French, right? Or is, what's, where, where's she from? She has like Israeli. A, She's Israeli. Yeah. Is it Gail Godot or Godot? It's I've Diana Prince. That's Wonder Woman's name, <laughs> <laughs> but she was great as, uh, as Diana Prince as, uh, as Wonder Woman, even if she was, um, in the movie for a short amount of time. Seems a glorified I- cameo. Oh shut up so is Spider-Man in Civil War and you loved him in that. I'm going to get yeah, right into that. Yeah, he stole right now. Civil
0: War. She did not.
1: And you know what? Wonder Woman stole Batman vs Superman as well. She was f***ing awesome in it. So I'm getting sick of people being like, "Eh, oh, Wonder Woman was only in it for like 10 minutes, but Spider-Man was so great." Spider-Man was in Civil War for the same f***ing amount of time that Wonder Woman was in Batman vs Superman. And in my opinion, Spider-Man was the only good part of Civil War. That movie was a yawn fest and did didn't reel me in for a second there was never any sense of impending danger never thought that iron man might die you never thought that captain america might die it was popcorn movie bullshit to the age of ultron nth degree the only part that was cool is when spider-man showed up for that big battle and i can just watch that on youtube whenever i want to whereas batman versus superman okay well I'll, i'll i'll try to keep it brief The cinematography, the music, the performances, the clearly, say what you will about Zack Snyder, he's a comic book guy. Say what you will about Ben Affleck, he's a comic book guy, and these two heads butting together to make this movie, they both clearly have a lot of passion in the characters that they're working with. I love what was done with Superman here, and a lot of people will kind of see it as an anti Superman Frank Miller esque kind of thing, but I disagree with that. This is almost social commentary from superman's standpoint, in which he he doesn't understand why he's being so vilified. He really is trying to do his best to do good in the he world and he's around shit the
0: entire on. movie looking constipated.
1: Because he's getting shit on the whole time. Again, Ben Affleck, amazing. Again, Gail Godot, Godot, whatever, awesome as Wonder Woman. I liked the Doomsday, uh, the Doomsday stuff. I liked Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. I thought everything was tied in really perfectly. I thought it did an amazing job with taking like six different storylines from comic books A bunch of different characters meshing it all together and somehow making it work and i know to you josh it didn't work and maybe to frederick it didn't work but you know what to me to cecil to my girlfriend to other people that i know it did work and there's a lot of people that hated it that's fine i don't think you're wrong i think that you just didn't enjoy the movie and you didn't like it for your own reasons or you didn't like it because of this or because of that you're not wrong you have every right to not like the movie i loved the movie for probably the reasons that you hated it and that's fine too i thought batman versus superman was awesome i think it's it's, it unjustly is getting the bad reputation uh-huh. that it's getting and I'm looking forward to Suicide Squad and to Justice League and to Wonder Woman. I think all of these movies look just as great and I think, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is about to get a, a well deserved But f***ing from DC, because the DC universe that we're about to get looks like, and especially with Batman versus Superman in comparison to a lot of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, this movie had heart. It was daring. It tried to be different. The fight at the end, you actually felt like Batman might die, that Wonder Woman might get killed. And Superman, I mean, f***, maybe I'm spoiling it, but Superman f***ing dies. Like, I actually wasn't expecting them to do that. I was like, maybe they're going to do it. Doomsday's in it. There's a whole Death of Superman thing going on here. And they were actually they actually had the balls to do it. They killed off the f***ing central character. And I love the movie for that. It was daring. It was brave. None of the other Marvel Cinematic Universe movies do that. And I think we're going to get a really kick-ass DC Universe movie. And Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman are really raining it in. And the rest of the movies that we're going to see, like Batman's uh, solo film that's going to be written and I believe also directed by Ben Affleck. Like The Wonder Woman movie and Suicide Squad and Justice League all look better than the one that came before it. And I think uh we're really in for a treat in uh the next coming uh, couple of years here.
2: First of all, I'm trying to remember Spider-Man and Batman versus Superman. I don't remember that. <laughs> what I'm, I'm getting confused. Okay, let's clarify just a couple quick things because Peter went on quite the rant there. So I'll try to keep this as short as I can. Basically, I agree with Peter on one point. Civil War was... Very boring. I'm sorry. I agree with him. I, I think the structure was terrible. That's a whole other discussion. Batman versus Superman, for me, sadly, not a good movie. I saw the th- movie in the theater, walked out perplexed and angry. I uh, absolutely hated it. I found it a confusing mess of a movie. And then I saw the director's cut. And I no longer thought it was a confusing mess. I just thought it was dull and dreary. I So I will say that... The director's cut definitely helps this movie a lot. It's still not a very good movie, in my opinion. I don't want Pitar coming after me. Essentially, <laughs> it's, 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 it's an okay movie. And I do applaud DC for one thing, and I'll agree with Pitar on this, and I've said the same thing to other people. They're daring to do something different than Marvel. Alright? It's obvious they are trying to do something different. I'll give them, but this movie was lo- too long too drawn out i did not find the characters intriguing or interesting i was bored and i when i watched the director's cut i actually paused it to go to the bathroom thinking well i must be near done i was only halfway through the film that says a lot to me right there about how i feel about it and i don't think there's really much else to say i love wonder woman's part in the movie it's the only part of the movie where i felt a hero actually emerged even the soundtrack got happy yes It was it was just a great hero moment. I actually got excited. Mm. It actually made me excited for a Wonder Woman movie. But I'm sorry. The the rest
0: of the film just failed to engage me. Sorry. And see, here, I walked out of this movie going, what the f*** was that? Now, I'll agree. The director's cut fills in a few of the problems, a few of the structure and story problems. Not many of them there are still way too many but it does fill in some of those so i will give credit where credit's due ben affleck was amazing in this i kind of like the color scheme and the lighting i thought it it very much felt like a comic book panel in in some scenes but then jesse eisenberg is gives one of the worst performances i have ever seen in a major motion picture i don't know what the he was on, or what the hell Zack Snyder thought he was doing with that? Batman is a complete and utter fucking psychopath in this movie. He just murders wantonly. The the story, uh, uh, the director's cut, like I said, it fixes some of these, but even that is still a complete narrative mess. It's really, there is no story to the movie. It's a collection of scenes that happen to take place in a specific order. That's one of the problems I had. Superman is a mopey bitch throughout the entire movie the movie seems to have no grasp on what a character is as every single one of these characters is completely one note and the whole oh my god you're not your mom's name is martha my mom's name is martha now we're best buds I'll, I'll quote screen junkies here nope still dumb this movie is horrifyingly bad that said The Justice League trailer looks interesting. The Wonder Woman trailer looks interesting. And I have been pumped for Suicide Squad ever since that very first trailer last year. I'm not against the DCU. I just think Batman vs. Superman was not just falling down the stairs. It was falling down the stairs, breaking your neck, crapping yourself, and then trying to get up and slipping on your crap, and then pissing yourself while you accidentally cut your dick off on one of the splinters from the steps. That was Batman (laughs) vs. Superman to me. Oh my. Was my scenario too far-fetched?
1: <laughs> my only response to that is, you're wrong. And Cecil would say the same thing if he would hear. I'll try to, I'll try to do my best impression.
0: You're wrong. So, uh, alright, speaking of Cecil, his next film would be The Wizard. The California Wizard. Oh, I can't fuck. really defend it. It's not a bad movie, but it's not a good movie. I think The Wizard, until the last half hour when it becomes just a giant Nintendo commercial, I thought Bo Bridges and Christian Slater were a great B story. Main cast was fine. It just, the last third of the movie, it turns into a giant commercial. So I can't shit all over The Wizard, but I also can't praise it.
2: Do you know, in, I forgot Bo Bridges and Christian Slater were even in it until you said that. <laughs> uh, that, that tells you a lot there. It's, it's again, this is... I feel like I'm picking on Cecil and he's not here. Uh, but this is a completely forgettable movie. At least for me, it was. Uh, I had probably, I was probably just a little too old to get into the Nintendo scene. You know, this is one of those movies. If you showed young kids, they'd probably enjoy it just cause it's you know, kids on a journey movie. So it's harmless. I, that's all I can say about it. It's harmless.
1: I love the wizard. It's so bad.
0: <laughs> I knew that's... you were, I, I was specifically avoided that. That's why I went with the California meme. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think that's fing all that needs to be said. I mean it's it's fun. I mean it's really stupid. i i I don't hate it because it's one of those really unintentionally funny movies like it it tries really hard to to have heart and tell this story of this kid who just wants to go to california because there's something there that he needs to find or whatever um but it's just so cornball and cheesy and yeah it's a total advertisement for nintendo that's totally what it's meant to be i can't fault it for what it was trying to be it was trying to be a fun kids movie and get I don't know, like, just get kids to play video games and stuff like that. Like, I could see what they were going with. It's a pretty harmless film. I, I don't hate it. I don't really like it either, but I guess it's, it's it's fun to watch with a group of friends to laugh at. That's, that's about all I can say about it.
2: I do have a dream to remake this movie, but cast it with 80s action stars. Like the punk kid with the power <laughs>
1: glove. I want to be Steven Seagal. And
2: <laughs> I, I want the main kid. I want the main kid to be Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh god. And his California. brother Arthur Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna see just the whole movie <laughs> with the sister, the sister Cynthia Rothrock. I'm telling you people, we can make this movie happen.
1: Who would be, uh, Christian Slater and the other guy? Oh
2: gosh, oh gosh. Well maybe, maybe we'd have to start hitting the beast of like Jeff Wincott or something.
1: <laughs> oh god. Get some like, uh, Z-grade guys have fucking Daniel Green and Red Brown or something. <laughs> there you Don, go.
0: Don, Don the Dragon, no, no Red D- Red Don Red. the Dragon Wilson.
1: Yes. <laughs>
2: Well, my next pick, uh, we're now getting into the personal movies for me. The films that I have defended my whole life. That I have gone tooth and nail with a few people on. The first of the last two, uh, is 1979's The Black Hole. The Disney film that is pretty much unlike any Disney film ever made. This is, forget the Something Wicked This Way comes and Watcher in the Woods. People always, oh, they're so dark and scary. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, have not seen The Black Hole, man. This is the movie where uh, Anthony Perkins from Psycho gets ventilated by a robot with spinning blades, okay? Uh, literally tears through him.
0: Maximilian.
2: Maxim, I cannot tell you how this movie blew my little nine-year-old mind out of the water. <laughs> I think it kickstarted my actual fascination with science fiction. I guess I was just at the right age for this movie to if I would have been a little younger I probably would have been bored. You know, I'll be honest, I would if I was just a little younger I might have been bored and if I was a little older at the time maybe I would have been a little more condescending to it. But something about being nine years old, that movie just sparked my imagination. Everything about this movie, I'm sorry to those who keep hating on it and attacking me for it. This film is beautiful. It looks beautiful. The special effects are gorgeous. There are actually more special effects in this movie than Star Wars. There are 550 visual effects shots and over 150 matte paintings. Gorgeous. That score by John Barry is one of my favorite scores we had just had a discussion before we started on favorite scores well the black hole is one of them this film i think is misunderstood here's the things that i keep hearing from other people the opposition okay one is they say the robots are stupid well exhibit a maximilian if you think maximilian is stupid i hope
0: he comes for you
2: and your family uh he is <laughs> well, one no. Of no, no. St- I,
0: I i i think when they mean stupid they mean slim pickens robot
2: well, they, uh, the ones that I hear more about, not Slim Pickens as old Bob, is the, uh, Centurions. Because they're clunky, and they're slow, and when they're shot, they just pretty much fall over. I love, like those, I love those, I love those
0: vertical double guns they have though.
2: Uh, the guns are, dude, I love those guns. I used to build those out of Legos when I was a kid. So did I! Oh my <laughs> gosh, I love those guns. I'm sorry, but if you look at the robots in Star Wars, I think you're remembering them a bit different because you have only two types of robots in Star Wars. You have the humanoid, C-3PO type, and then you have trash can. Seriously, <laughs> look how many robots are t- walking trash cans in that movie. This film has a variety of robots. I think Vincent is wonderful. It's obviously, I think it's the voices that bring the characters alive. You got Slim Pickens as old Bob, which I'll agree is probably the weirdest choice just because he's a robot Very built in cartoony. Texas.
0: Very, he, he he played it like this was a cartoon.
2: Well, I'm going to disagree with you on the cartoon, but I agree that it's over the top because he's a Texan robot with a Texan accent. But there's a lot about personification in this movie. And let me address the thing that we'll go right to the other thing that people talk about in this movie. They find it boring. I, I can't defend against if you feel that way. I just said with Batar's movie, Batman versus Superman, I was bored in it. The reason the black hole doesn't bore me is I found it engaging and I've literally looked up things from this movie on and off again my whole life. There are endless quotes in this that you would not find in this type of science fiction movie. It's really a very odd film. The last lines of the villain, Dr. Reinhardt, played by Maximilian Schell, no relation to the robot. His last lines as he's dying is, more light, more light. And I, for years, wondered, what the heck does that mean? And it turns out it was the last words of this guy named Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. He was a philosopher and a scientist. (laughs) And apparently these were his last lines on his deathbed. There's a lot going on here. Then, for those of you who have seen it, you know what happens at the end. The heroes get away, but they get propelled into the black hole. And they literally pass between heaven and hell. Maximilian is it's a very trippy sequence where Maximilian is merged with Dr. Reinhardt, the villain, and then we see them standing over hell, literally hell. This movie blew my mind. And for years, I've kind of looked at it, and I've heard a lot of people say, oh, the ending represents they actually died when they went through the black hole. And I've had other people, they keep looking at the negative aspects of this, and they say, oh, they never made it, they died, because even if they did go through the other side, where were they? They're lost forever, they're going to die. And in truth, I don't agree with any of that. And if you look at what the film is really about, and you analyze it from top to bottom, you start to see there are patterns throughout the whole film. There's a concept of humans' relationships with the robots, the idea of traveling through space. Basically, you have the idea of, like, there are scientists that are studying, and then there is the mad scientist played by Reinhardt. And essentially, it's about walking that fine line between genius and madness, You see the madness in Reinhardt. The genius is in everything that's around you. The the ships, the uh, the robots, this drive that humanity has to push further and further. Uh, It leads us to the edge of the universe and a madman who believes that we can tame the darkest force in the universe, which is the black hole. And here's the funny part. Here's the part people have to catch. He's right the villain of the film is right throughout the whole film they keep calling the black hole the devil the, like they one guy says every time i see that thing i expect to see a guy with pitchfork and horns they it, they say it's inescapable it's the dark well think about science and think about man launching that first rocket and that's what this film is it's this poetic it's this poetic ode to man's journey it's like the right stuff but done in science fiction and the right stuff. You got these guys building rockets that, that, uh, pilots strap their butts to and hope it doesn't explode. It's about how we've gone further than we ever have. And then we hit this point and it stops. Oh, the black hole. Oh, we fear this. It's darkness. It's the end of the, it's hell. It's, it's, we can't surpass this. And in the end, the madman, the scientist is right, but It also costs many people their lives. Again, look back to the right stuff. Not all those pilots made it. Throughout history, we have scientists building things, and not all the people who use them make it. It's a very uh, violent history that's strewn with a lot of gravestones. I think that's what the black hole is about. Okay, there's a lot of death, there's a lot of destruction, but in the end... We will make it. We will persevere. These characters, there's a planet visibly seen in the background. Maybe they landed on that planet. Maybe it took their future generations of their children to get back to Earth. Who knows? It doesn't matter. There was a comic book series that actually did continue after, but because the film flopped, they stopped, and there was no end to to the series. There was no conclusion. To, to never surrender and never give in to our darkest fears, and we'll persevere. And for that reason... I still adore this movie. It was my Blade Runner before Blade Runner became one of my favorite science fiction movies, and it still remains it to this day.
0: I think you're reading way too much into it. I don't hate the movie, but I don't love it. It really is Disney's Star Wars, and parts of it work, parts of it don't. Like I said, it's just an alright, goofy sci-fi movie to me. I don't see any of the things you saw in it. I saw this as, we need a Star Wars Ironic it's now that Disney like Star owns Star Wars. Wars.
2: Then why are they being urbane? Why are they quoting scientists and philosophers throughout the entirety of the film? If it's Star Wars, why not just bang, bang, we fly in space, oh yeah. That's basically what I
1: saw it as. So, Peter? <laughs> I actually haven't seen Black Hole yet, but I've heard uh, differing opinions about it, and I have been wanting to see it because it's, it's one of those Disney movies that I didn't really grow up with. It's something that uh, passed over my radar, so it's one that I still have to check out.
0: I did see a porno called the black hole, but I don't think that's the same thing. No. (laughs) I I would like to say that
2: an interesting point, though, is that the Black Hole was made by a lot of the older men of Disney, that this was not the younger generation as, say, Star Wars was. You know, Star Wars, a good majority of the people involved with Star Wars, from the visual effects to Lucas himself, who wasn't that old. Obviously, we're a younger generation, and it's flashier, and it's way more fun. No doubt about that. But the Black Hole, I think, falls somewhere between, I think it's a little closer to 2001, that's probably its problem right there. Just like we talked about in the Pulps, about some things are just left behind. Their time came and went. The public was no longer ready for deeper science fiction stories. Even the making of The Black Hole went through a lot of struggles. But like Alan Dean Foster, who was writing the uh, what do you call it, tie-in book, uh, when he read the script before the film was made, he said, Guys, the science in this is dreadful. And so they took it back to the drawing board, and they got scientists involved to uh, to craft the science in the movie, to make it better. And I feel it, for the most part,
0: comes through. My next pick would be Uve Boll's Assault on Wall Street. This is Ooh. a film that's very not Uve Boll. I can't count how many people I've shown this movie to. When I told them it was Uwe Boll, they were like, Really? The House of the Dead guy? Because this movie is so well made, but it is so hated by the critics. Why? Because it was made by Uwe Boll. Basically, he goes into this movie in a can't-win situation. The movie is front-loaded with all the character stuff, and the the titled Assault doesn't happen until the final act of the movie. The rest of it is all build-up to why the assault happens. And he very succinctly put it as... If I would started off with a bunch of action, they would have said, this action is pointless because we don't know these characters. So I started off with the characters and people say, oh, it's boring. It's all characters. Why can't you get to the action? Basically, he was in a no-win situation. The movie is incredibly well-written. You really feel for these characters. It's a little heavy-handed in the whole how it's the, the banking structure and Wall Street's fault of how everything in dominic purcell's life falls apart but it's also realistic and that these things are all tied together it's a fantastic movie and the final third when the when the t- assault happens is brutal this is not some punisher type character that's only punishing the guilty dominic purcell is in this building shooting anybody who was involved with the banking industry or Wall Street. And the final plot twist I actually thought was pretty brilliant. I think it's an intensely well-written movie, and you would never guess this was an Uwe Boll film. I think Assault on Wall Street is criminally overlooked. Fred, have you seen this one?
1: Nope, I'm sorry, I have not.
0: Peter, have you seen Assault on Wall
1: Street? I certainly have, and I I agree with you 100%. Um, I wasn't as surprised that it was an Uwe Boll film either, because I really enjoyed the... His film Rampage and Rampage 2 as well. So when I, when you told me about Assault on Wall Street, I was keen to check it out because it, it looked to be on that same level and it's, it really is fantastic. It, it to me, I, I see it working really well as a sequel to something like Wall Street because that movie shows you the corruption in Wall Street and in the banks succeeding. And then this movie shows. What happens when you push somebody too far? When you push them to the, to the brink where they're losing everything, where they're getting f-ed over left and right financially, when their life is completely fallen apart. This is something that could genuinely happen. Somebody could be pushed to this point and it's written fantastically. The performances are great. The atmosphere is great. Even it's not just good for a, an Uwe Boll film. It's a great film. It's something that should, should have been received well theatrically and i really don't get why it wasn't it's it's awesome it's a really really good movie
0: they actually legitimately build up why these character, this one character in particular snaps they they, they make the villains not villainous in a mustache twirling kind of way but these are people that just have no humanity left these are people yeah. who are so bloodthirsty for money and so greedy it's literally l- made them sacrifice their humanity. I mean, you look at John Heard's character. He he at first comes across as a cartoon supervillain until they start getting into how he became so corrupted into thinking like that. The the, the the final plot twist, this movie is set up for a sequel, which unfortunately we're never going to get, but man, I really want one. How about him teaming up with the guy mm-hmm. from Rampage? There you go. That'd be
1: fucking awesome. Actually, I don't know if that would really, I could see them kind of taking each other on. No, so that that be, too. Uh,
0: I, I'd like thing. to see that too. Rampage on Wall yeah, Street.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> a rampage in Wall Street. That'd yeah. be fucking awesome. If you're listening, Uwe Ball, this is what just probably me and Josh want. I don't know if
0: anybody else does. Peter, defend your last movie. And this one, since I know what it is, is indefensible. This is a horrible movie.
1: Okay, well... First off, uh, saying that, that I'm gonna defend this movie is is pretty much going to sound the same along the lines of going door to door and telling people that you're a registered sex offender. I like Superman <laughs> 4.
0: <laughs> I think you caught Front off guard with that one, Peter. You don't, I, caught me off guard.
2: I can see him standing in front of a group
0: of- Hi,
2: I'm Petar Geka, and I like Superman 4? <laughs> It has been 11 days since
1: I've finally seen a good movie. Uh, it's it's just, it's that bad, and I can fully acknowledge it. I know it's bad. I know it's a ter- f- it's a Superman movie released by Canon Films. And this is not even good Canon, okay? This is when they were falling apart. This is when they were going bankrupt. This is when they had hardly any budget for their movies. This is when they were getting tank after tank after tank after the fallout of stuff like Masters of the Universe and whatnot. This was their – they acquired the property to Superman somehow and managed to to wrangle up all of the other actors from the prior prior films. You know, they they had uh, Chris Reeves and everybody coming back. Gene Hackman coming back as Lex Luthor. They somehow had everybody for this film. They had a Superman movie on the go. Did they have a budget? No, they did not. Did they have a good script? No, they did not. It was horrible. The f***ing villain in this movie is created by Superman wrangling up every nuclear warhead in the world. The UN, for whatever reason, is somehow completely okay with this. Everybody votes for it. He hurls them into the sun. Now, after this, Gene Hackman somehow manages to acquire a lock of Superman's uncuttable hair from the Superman
0: Museum. Which he cuts with scissors.
1: Which he cuts with f***ing scissors. And he launches this into the sun to inexplicably create the gayest supervillain of all time.
0: If it becomes overcast, he loses all his powers.
1: (laughs) He is a solar-powered supervillain. A solar, just... I'm actually struggling to try to explain why I like this movie. I think this, is, <laughs> I think this is why it's it's just so irreverent and such a pile of shit and such a train wreck that it's it's like a like a bad car crash that you can't look away from. It's so bad you you're watching them sissy fight on the moon. They're like nuclear man <laughs> literally scratches Superman. He scratches him on the neck and he loses. He's he's fucking like in a blanket all curled up on his couch. Like he's beaten, he's defeated. I'm in my he's... safe space. He's in his safe space because this bleach blonde dude in in gold tights scratched him <laughs> on the neck with silver fingernails. Superman lost a fight to a scratch. <laughs> it looks like two
2: hairdressers going into battle. Very <laughs> much. The no,
1: movie... Frederick is mine. Stop it! Stop! I scratch you. The movie, the movie features an. They have the one shot that they filmed of Christopher Reeve flying toward the camera on Superman, which they overuse so many times. Two or three extra takes. No, that was the one they went with. And the color grading on it is always bad. His costume always looks green. Why is Superman flying around with the statue? What the f*** is this movie and how am I going to defend it? This is how I'm going to defend it. It it truly if you wanna think it to me, if you wanna say a movie is so bad that it's good, this is the movie. This is the movie that defined it for me. Cause I loved every single Superman movie when I was a kid. Even the weird, like Richard Pryor War Games one. I liked them all. And then I came back and revisited each one. Uh Superman one, which is still great. Superman two is awesome. Uh the Richard Pryor one's kind of weird, but kinda fun. And then I rediscovered this one. And all the bad mag- all the magic that I experienced as a kid. Like when I was a kid I'll f***ing admit it. I thought Nuclear Man was cool. When I was, like, six or seven years old... Mom, I can I dude, have his hair? I thought that dude was badass. I was like, he's got claws, and he's, like, roaring and shit. He's like, destroy Superman. And as a kid, I'm like, oh, this is going to be so awesome. They're going to, like, fight, and then fucking I'm watching it now as an adult. I'm like, what was wrong with me? Like, was I autistic? Like, what the f***, <laughs> Tar? This explains so much to me. It really does. <laughs> And I think it, it dawned on me that this is the so bad it's good film. This is that movie that is just bad in every, I think I've gone through pretty much all the reasons why it's terrible. I don't think we really need to, to delve into it any further, but it's somehow so horrible that it all comes full circle like Superman flying around the world in the first film to save Lois Lane. It goes all the way around and is somehow one of the most entertaining movies I've ever seen in my life because constantly captivated by something that's either so bad or just so horribly composed or horribly structured it it makes me laugh more than most intentional comedies does and i think that's why i've got to defend it how can a movie be so bad and consider it to be one of the worst films ever made if it entertains me to this level i love superman 4 and i'm not ashamed to admit it
2: well, for the sake of time, I'll just say that that that, that was such an impassioned speech that I am now <laughs> a fan of Superman four without it, <laughs> even rewatched it.
0: You um, sell out.
2: Bravo, sir. You know now, real quick. It, I I didn't like it when I saw it. Okay, let's you know uh, it's the land of diminishing returns back then. Oh, well, you had Superman one, which blew my mind. Superman two, well. You know, we look at it now. It's flawed. Back then, it was the wrath of Khan of comic book movies, okay? Mm. And then you hit three. And three actually is a very fun and entertaining movie to watch. Legitimately, Richard Pryor is fun. Despite there being some very bad moments, which leads into four. It's the land of diminishing returns. I can't really say too much against it other than it's a lot of fun to watch. It really is. Is it a good movie? No not even there's there's literally <laughs> nothing good in this movie literally not the performances not the special effects not the script nothing is good in this movie. <laughs> but that's why it works it's so wrong that it's just it's a lot of fun i can't disagree with vatar
0: i can i've never liked this movie i saw it in the theaters <laughs> when it first came out and i was a kid then I hated it then. I watched it a few years ago. I hated it then. I don't get into the whole so bad it's a good thing. To me, this movie is just f***ing bad. I mean, and the performances are so bad. I swear, you Gene Hackman looks like he's being held hostage. He looks like someone's right behind the camera holding a gun to his cat's head if he doesn't perform like a monkey. Real quick, before I go into in Fred's next one, we'll read in Cecil's last one, which is Hudson Hawk. I love Hudson Hawk. I can defend Hudson Hawk. It's a legitimately funny movie. It's highly irreverent. It's bizarre. The laughs are genuine. The plot makes no sense when you think about it, but at the time, you're okay with. Everyone hates on Hudson Hawk, and there are some cringe worthy moments in it, yes. But it's an actually funny movie, so I'll give Cecil this one. Hudson Hawk kicks ass.
1: Hudson Hawk kicks ass. Absolutely. I love that movie.
2: Fun movie, really liked it. Loved the idea of actually timing a bank heist, or a jewel heist, sorry, jewel heist with a song. Very inventive, very fun. There's a couple of jokes
1: that fall flat, but come on, that's most comedies. I really like it.
0: Butterfingers steals every line in this movie. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Andrew, uh, that's Andrew Minarski, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's, so, what does he say, like, so you want me to rape him or something like that?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So you want me to rape him? Before we go to my last pick. Your last pick, and I can't be on your side for this one. You're on your own, buddy.
2: <laughs> I, I think everyone who has been very kind to me about coming on this show is about to completely turn their backs on me because my last pick is the number one film I've had to defend my whole life. Beaten and bruised, my father kicked me into a closet and uh, disowned me after knowing about this movie. 1980s Xanadu. Yes, That Xanadu, directed by Robert Greenwald. This film is 38% on Rotten Tomatoes and 5.0 on IMDb, and I happen to know for a fact that's higher than it used to be. This film, it started life as a low-budget roller disco movie, and it is quite literally the water world of its time. It ballooned out of control, and if you guys can believe this, the budget for this film, t- i tell you what, real quick, take a guess, each of you. How much was the budget on this film?
0: Yeah, I seem to remember it being somewhere in the 20 millions-ish-ish. Okay, Pitar? Like 2 cents? Okay, well actually, Josh nailed it because he read it before, obviously.
2: It was 20 million dollars in 1980. Star Wars was 11. Uh, So, yeah, this movie's a bit hard to defend. But I think this is one of those infamous movies that's more hated because of what people said at the time. And I don't feel a lot of people give this a fair shot. They call it one of the worst movies ever made, and they mean that literally when you talk to people. They're saying everything is bad about it. Well, we just mentioned Superman Four, and not to put down a Pitar's pick, it's but that was a really bad movie. We all agree, it's really bad. It's just that one's so bad, it's good. Xanadu is not in that category. So now I have to defend it, why I think it's a good movie. Well, first of all, it has... Great songs. I think most people who like ELO or that type of music will agree. The soundtrack is fantastic. I actually like
0: the, I actually like the Xanadu theme song by Olivia Elton John. I actually really like that song.
2: Yeah, yeah. Jeff Lynne's uh, Xanadu. The, the album went double platinum in the U.S. and Canada. Okay, so the soundtrack is one of the best selling soundtracks of all time. It was a huge hit. It still is. It still sells. When Jeff Lynne released an ELO uh, compilation, Greatest Hits, he actually added a cover of Xanadu done by himself. That's why I bought that compilation, just because it had him doing Xanadu. Second of all, there is a wonderful animated sequence stuck right in the middle of this done by my favorite animated films director, which is The Secret of Nim*, Don Bluth, did the animated sequence for this film. It's actually very beautiful. Gene Kelly came out of retirement to do this movie, and he actually said, I'll be in it, but I won't dance. And they were stuck. They had got him to agree to be in the movie, but they wanted him because (laughs) it's Gene Kelly. Why do you want Gene Kelly to dance? So they went with him anyway. He watched the rough cut of the movie that they already had and he said you know what guys this is stupid i gotta dance in this movie and so they actually after the film was completely wrapped filmed the sequence where gene kelly and the olivia newton Don- john excuse me have that wonderful number together whenever you're away from me this film has wonderful dance numbers it's imaginative a great animated sequence great songs is it an hour and a half music video yes I agree with that entirely, okay? But then again, so is freaking Purple Rain, and people just throw endless praise on that movie. And uh, I don't know when's the last time you've seen it, but it's not really that good of a movie. But it has great musical numbers in it. So does this film. It's, it's just a really fun movie. I put it on whenever I feel down, and when I'm done... I'm not depressed anymore. And really, oh, and there's a sequence. Oh, I, I want to talk about my favorite sequence in the movie, which is with the tubes. They actually got the tubes to do a song and be in this movie where they start with a 1940s sequence. And you got Livy Newton-John dressed uh, as one of the, of the uh, what they called wax, singing an old 1940s ditty. Then it cuts to this very late 70s looking tubes where they're wearing like tiger print dresses and outfits and stuff. Each of them is like in the imagination of two of the characters. And then what happens is both come together to create just this one fusion of 1940s and, well, they say 80s, but it's, like I said, late 70s sounding music. It's an amazing number. In fact, when they composed the songs for this, they literally had no idea it would work the way it did, because they were shooting from the hip so much. They kept changing everything in the scripting part department, and they were changing things while they were shooting. So, there are lots of mistakes in the movie. There's lots of little problems. The roller disco stuff, it, it was dated in 1980 when it came out i'm sorry this film has way too much good to say it's that bad i disagree with you
0: i my mom loved this movie so i grew up with her watching her because this wasn't released on vhs till later her copy off of hbo all the time this movie is horrendous to me first of all michael beck is more dour. He's so dour in this movie, he makes Dawn of Justice's Superman look chipper. He is just such a sad sack that you're like, why should I care what happens to you? You're a loser. And I I don't say that lightly. His character is a loser. I just I, I hated all the characters. I liked the special effects. I, I loved those those literally rotoscoped animated lighting effects when they're all dancing and whatnot. That's all really cool. I hated this movie. Couldn't get into the story. Couldn't get into the characters. Michael Beck made me want to slit my wrists. I, n- n- no Xanadu. No.
1: My only response to Xanadu is my girlfriend singing the Xanadu theme because she loves it. Charlotte, get over here. Sing it. Sing fucking oh God, Xanadu. No. Sing it. <laughs> Sing it. He's gonna
0: make her do it too.
1: Oh. I can't remember. Sing that shit. <laughs> uh, <Xanadu. laughs> now we are hearing Xanadu. <laughs> now Excellent. i here now that
0: you're near. I, I actually love one of the major reviews when this came out, they nailed it perfectly. Xanadont. not <laughs> So, Sorry. That no one said, will
2: ever convince me. No one will ever. I love, I even listen to the soundtrack all the time.
0: Well, my final pick is a movie everybody hates, and that is 1986's Spies Like Us. I don't know why everyone hates this movie. Yes, it's incredibly dated to Cold War, but Dan Aykroyd is hilarious. Chevy Chase is hilarious. The celebrity cameos are really not celebrities, but when else are you going to see B.B. King, Sam Raimi, and Larry Cohen as CIA agents? as well as Terry Gilliam as a third world doctor. It's got so many funny off-the-cuff jokes. Bernie Casey steals the three scenes he's in. Dan Aykroyd is legitimately hilarious here. Chevy Chase gets the best lines in the movie. It's a legitimately funny movie. I'll admit the plot kind of slows down a bit in the third act. The third act isn't as strong as the first two. Why everyone hates spies like us, I don't know. I think... It is a hilarious movie. I just rewatched it last week, and again, not counting the third act being not as good, I still enjoyed the hell out of it. Never seen it. This is something, when you told me it was on your list, I was a bit perplexed, because
2: not only do I really like this movie, I remember when it came out. I saw it in the theater, and the majority of people I knew or saw it with in Detroit loved it. It's not a perfect movie. You know, The so few movies really are. We say that a lot. It's not a perfect movie. But it, it's a really fun movie. I, I've always said when I go to a horror film, I want to, like, you know, be thrilled on some level. Because scaring, eh, not so much all the time. But, you know, keep you in suspense. If I see a comedy, make me laugh. It did. I laughed throughout it. And let me just say, the part was played by Vanessa Angel. But she's one of the Russian uh, women. And when she comes out of that tent and just her bra, oh, my I will never forget that scene as long as I live. Uh, I had such a crush on her.
0: I, I take it right after that, you were wondering, what's a dick for?
2: Oh, gosh, yeah. To pee with. Well, uh, she she definitely raised the missiles of, of many a people in that theater.
0: Very, <laughs> it was no longer a Cold War. No, it was not.
2: No, it's a funny movie. And, again, it's, is it great? No, it's trying to be the Bob Hope and Bing Crosby movie of of the 80s
0: and it's hopelessly dated. Uh,
2: yeah it's so dated uh there's a lot of jokes that do fall flat some of dan Aykroyd's, uh, hyper hyperspiel doesn't always work in this film it's still a lot of fun i don't care i i and i've never met anyone who didn't like it so that's uh, like i said it's a little strange to me
0: i hope you guys check out some of the movies we were defending and if you want to contact us Contact us at 1201beyond at gmail.com and let us know what some of your most hated movies that you constantly have to defend are. So, Peter, where can people find you? You can find me, uh,
1: sissy fighting with Superman on the, uh, moon landing set on, uh, at Cinematica on Twitter, on, uh, Facebook, The Cinematicist on YouTube, The Cinemasticist, and on 1201beyond.com.
0: Where can we find Fred, even though I will say, I was going to make a joke that I was going to fire Fred, but Fred's going to be taking a little bit of a break, but he will be coming back to the show. But where can we find him in the meantime? I will be wrestling Josh Hadley's Iron Maiden t-shirt at Madison Square Garden this Friday. (laughs) I will beat the funk out of it. There's no funk. I wash it regularly. Uh, It will feel. That's not funk.
1: It's when he's always coming, and it feels so good. He's coming all the time, and it's like he is in heaven.
0: I will put up my right guard as well as my left guard. <laughs> <laughs> all right, where can people find you?
2: Okay, well, uh, I, this is just a hiatus, and uh, I, I can still be found at the Movie Apocalypse page on Facebook and the website, saintstoryteller.com,
0: eventually. And you can find me at 1201beyond.com. You can contact the show, as I said, 1201beyond at gmail.com. We want to know what you think of our picks and just how wrong Fred is about Xanadu. <laughs> ooh, ooh,
3: what do you do? No one else can dance like you. So what's all of us? There ain't nobody to spy like us. Hey, hey what do you say? Someone took your plans away. So what's all of us? There ain't nobody.